Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis chapter 22, if you would, please. I think everybody in this room enjoys receiving gifts. You enjoy Christmas, you enjoy getting, and how many of you enjoy receiving a gift or two or, or ten? You enjoy gifts on your birthdays or just sometimes just a, an unexpected gift of one kind or another, checks preferably, amen? But we all enjoy that. And then the older we get, the more that I think you, you learn to enjoy giving, and giving becomes a part of your life that uh, you find that it literally is more blessed to give than to receive, and you find that to be part of maturing. And uh, I can't say that I've always been that way, but I'm far more that way now than I used to be. Many things in the Bible talk about giving, and there are many opportunities than people in the Bible that gave to Jesus Christ. And uh, the Magi brought gifts from afar. You have the woman that gave her two mites. And, and uh, then either others, like the, uh, Saul that gave his life to the Lord, and, and uh, the disciples that gave up their, their, their talents and gave up their uh, lifestyle and, and livelihood to serve God. And to serve Jesus Christ and to follow him. And so we see all throughout the Bible that giving and the giving of, of gifts. But probably the most, um, the most uh, incredible gift, apart from the crucifixion itself, is written in Genesis chapter 22. If you'll follow along with me as I just read through it, uh, just a few verses here. In verse 1, if you would please. And it came to pass after these things, God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose early in the morning, up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went to the place of which God hath told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I will, will I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Look at verse 7. It said, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So that when both of them, so went both of them together. And they came to the place which God told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Father, we ask your blessing upon the message tonight. I pray it will be help to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This, uh, this month, as our church talks about investing 
in eternity. Many of us have thought, what can I give? The other night in our servants' conference, we were trying to raise money for the, the Thailand property, and I don't know how much we raised. Do we have an idea? $71,000 was raised in that service. And, um, and I know you, like me, were standing around here, and Pastor was, was saying how many of you could give 100 and how many could give you know, 500 and some gave 1000 some gave more, some gave less. But everybody was, I guarantee you, if you were here that night, you were asking yourself a question, what can I give? What can I give? Because I believe it was, it was the Lord here, and we all wanted to do something. And it was evident by that amount. I hadn't heard the, uh, the total uh, until just now. But I stood right down here, and I just was, was thinking, what can I give? What, what, uh, what would be a good gift? And I, I, you know, I would have loved to have given ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Just like you probably would have too. But we all look at what we could give. And I think many times we look at the Christian life even, you know, the, and as I, I started off by saying, the more uh, we fall in love with Christ, and the more we grow together with the Lord, the more we want to give to the person we love. When our relationship starts out, we give little gifts to each other, right? But the longer we're married, the more we want to give priceless gifts. And the more we want to give our children, the older they get, and the more they understand what a gift means, and, and uh, the, the more means that we have to, wherewithal to, to have wherewithal to give gifts. And we look at our lives, and especially as a, as a, as a teenager, as a child, we get the idea, well, what does God want with me? What can God do with me? Why would God want me? There are some of you uh, men back here tonight who have come to our rescue mission or our you home, and you're wondering, well, what, God, what, what can God do with this? I've been an alcoholic all my life. I've been a drug addict. You know, what can I give? Well, we've seen the, the gifts that, have, that I mentioned earlier. And, uh, and I think everybody at some point in time likes to give. I, I think I've told this story before, but if I have, it, it fits this message, and so I want to tell it again. Besides, it's a good story. And, uh, but I was at a camp, our, our love offering for our guest speaker, Brother Lapina. So everything that is brought in tonight will go to Brother Eddie. And so I get thinking, I look over, and I'm watching Timmy out of the corner of my eye, and he's sitting next to his buddy, and, and all of a sudden it's like you can see just the, the light bulb and the circle above his head thinking, wait, what? And all of a sudden I looked over, and he, he leans over, he says, pap, pap. I said, what? He says, is all the offering going to go to you? And I said, well, that's what he said. So, and he looked over, put his hand, hands in his lap. And then I looked over, and he was slipping that dollar back into his pocket. <laughs> that little rat. Christmas is coming. But I think at times we've all done that, right? <laughs> and... Uh, We've all, we've all been that kind of a giver. You know, sometimes when we give, when, when, it, when somebody gives us a gift or we give a gift, it's out of love of our heart or it's definitely with a sacrifice on our part. It's one of the things about Christmas. 
A Christmas gift is, is signifying the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. And when we take money that we could have spent for ourselves and spend it on somebody else, that's showing sac the sacrifice, sacrificial gift that God made for us. Just a, an example of it. But there are some gifts that, that we uh, are more of a surrender than a gift. And I could look down at Timmy and say, hey, Timmy, I saw what you did there. Take that money out and put it in the offering. And he would have done it. He wouldn't have been happy, but he would have done it. And he'd have pulled it out and he'd have put it in the offering plate. Now, that wouldn't have been a gift. That would have been a surrender. Amen? He was being, he was being coerced into doing it. And I really believe that you're sitting there and I'm up here and we were standing there the other night and we're kind of wondering what can we do for the Lord and, and young people are out here today trying to think of what college they're going to go to and trying to act like, you know, you know my future is important, so what do I do with my life? And wondering, what, what can I give to God? And Pastor talked about an awesome message Sunday morning and Sunday night about investing your life in eternity and what can you give? Well, the Bible makes it very simple for us. God, first of all, has never messed up anybody's life. And the one thing that God wants us to give, for those of you that don't have big money, you don't have a lot of houses, you don't have a lot of things on this earth, you have something that everybody else in this room has. You have a life. And the one thing that God wants from every single person here is he wants our life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it's the only thing that makes sense. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what? You've got to get to come to a different way of thinking. Your, your mind has to mature. It's not about receiving things from God. It's about giving to God. It's about giving that life. You know, if you gave your life to God, then you don't have to worry about the tithe. You don't have to worry about your alms. You don't have to worry about faith problems because everything that you have belongs to God. You don't have to worry about your life being parceled out to Him and where you're going to serve because everything belongs to God if you give Him your life. <clears throat> he said, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God says that when you present your life to God, you present your body, your soul, your spirit to God, God says, you know what? I'm not going to break it. I'm not going to misuse it. I'm not going to forget about it. I'm not going to hurt it. I'm going to make it everything it's supposed to be. And here we find sometimes that our life is, is ours only. But James tells us, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is but a vapor, even a vapor, a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. And those of us are now getting closer to old than we are young. We're finding out that life is very, it runs through very quickly. And we look back at our younger days. And those of us, if I may, and this is not a prideful statement, but those of us that gave our lives to the Lord as teenagers are very glad that we did. And we're glad that we didn't spend seasons of our life out in the world and drinking and smoking and hurting our bodies and hurting our future. 
Those of you that have come from a life of hardship and you found the Lord and you've given your life to God tonight and you're, you're right now spending every waking moment and every day trying your best to serve Him, you're glad you're doing that and so am I. Because the Bible tells us that one day we'll be sleeping. One day we'll be able to, to do no more good for God. We'll be with God. So a couple thoughts here tonight. First of all, with all, everybody in this room has the same gift we can bring. If we asked for money tonight, we wouldn't all be able to give the same amount and same, same quantity, the same personal things. We brought things in for the church to sell. We'd all bring different stuff, but one thing we all have, and that's our life. So give the best part of your life to God. Give the best part of your life to God. It's why I enjoyed working with teenagers so much because I had the opportunity to spend my time working with young people at the best, the best, the easiest part of their life. The time when their life is simple, and I don't mean to disparage young people, but it is simple, and their, their, their structure is basically in an obedience mode to where they just got to sit and listen and obey and learn. And then when the, the older they get, the more life takes, takes form in their, in their, in their future, <clears throat> and they become the things that they're supposed to become. And it's fun to be a part of that and help in that molding process to help them find God's will for their life, to help them give of their heart and their time and their talents to the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The very first things that come to a young person's life are those things that they ought to be thinking about that will help them to serve the Lord. Because in just a few years, as a sophomore, junior, senior in high school, that's when they start getting noticed by the world. And all of a sudden, their talents and their abilities begin to, to get honed a little bit. And their direction is being seen by those older than them. And colleges are calling them, and coaches are calling them, and people are trying to recruit them, and Satan looks at them and says, hey, I need to get this one out of the way. I need to give this one a different direction. Hey, I need to put some bad friends around this one. And Satan is already starting to work at destroying the youth. It's one of the areas this church has been, been uh, really just headstrong on is helping young people find their talents and abilities and helping them show them how they can use those for the Lord. Because everybody has gifts. Everybody has talents. Everybody has a future with God. And our job as youth, youth directors and preachers and youth revivals and youth conferences are to help young people, your young people, your children... Find out exactly how they can use those abilities and gifts that you've helped put in them. You've taught them. It's not, just, it's not just that we want them to play a piano or sing in a choir or play in the orchestra. How can that be used for the Lord? How can that bring people to Jesus Christ? How can that work on a mission field? How can that be a pastor of a church and help a pastor in a church? Because the best part of our life ought to be given to the Lord. I, every time I preach on this kind of a subject, the story of William Borden always comes to mind. I know Brother Judah loves telling the story, and I'll steal a little thunder from him. But it was in 1894, Dr. R.A. Torrey was preaching in Chicago, and a young seven-year-old boy named, named William Borden surrendered 
to serve the Lord. As he stood, he's part of a rich family. His dad was the, uh, the owner and uh, the, 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 uh, the, the owner of the Borden Milk Company. And as this young boy had surrendered his life to the Lord, he never forgot about it. He never turned on it. He wanted to go to Moody Bible Institute, but his parents talked him into going to Yale University, and so he went to Yale. And at the time, Yale was a college for ministry, and, but he found that there were very few kids that were, were sold out to the Lord there, and he started prayer groups, and he started a, a little mission, mission board to help those in town that were were distressed. He taught Sunday school in a small little black church there in town. But in his early days in school, he got to go to the China Inland Missions and he got a heart and a fervor for China. And that's where he was set on going and spending his life. And while in Yale, he began to, to talk about his future and what he wanted to do for the Lord. And his father died and left him millions of dollars. And everybody, all of his friends, thought his life would turn. He'd follow after the money, but he said, absolutely not. And he still had a use for God, and God wanted God's use to, for him to never die in his heart. And he said, I pray that God will take my life into his hands and use it for the furtherance of the gospel as he sees best. And that wasn't from a poor kid with no future in mind. That was from a rich kid that had it all could have spent all of his life in just in the lap of luxury. In December 1912, he sailed to Egypt where he was planned to study with a missionary and get a grasp of the Muslim religion and learn how to speak and teach and give the gospel to Muslims before he went to China, distributing tracts and Bibles and whatever he could do while there to win the lost. Four months later, he became ill with cerebral meningitis and died within a month of his, of his 25th birthday. You know, among many of the notes that were written in his Bible, there were three words entered into his Bible. And they were discovered after his death. The first one was about his decision to become a missionary at the age of seven. He wrote this word in his Bible. He said, no reserve. And when he graduated from Yale and turned down the opportunity of running his father's business, he wrote, no regrets. And when he found out he had cerebral meningitis, he wrote in his Bible, no retreat. No retreat. And at the age of 25, he found out that life, life was short. And it's amazing that here this young man had given the best part which ended up being the only part of his life he could have given to the Lord. He didn't have time to fool around. He didn't have time to mess it up. He didn't have time to go and live in the world and enjoy the, the, the lap of luxury for a while. <clears throat> and hardly anybody would have ever given him grief for doing so. It was what his parents wanted. It was what his friends wanted. His professors in school wanted. But it wasn't what God wanted. Give the best part of your life to God. Number two, keep it holy. Keep it holy. You're the only one that can guard your purity. You're the only one that can guard your holiness. You're the only one that could want a holy life for you. 
We can set all the rules and guidelines and standards and parents could have all the all the, the watch care over you and put you in the finest of schools with a lot of rules and guidelines. But you're the only one. I'm the only one that can watch for my soul. I'm the only one that can guide what goes into these eyes and into these ears. I'm the only one that can watch what I read and watch what I listen to. The Bible calls it that we're to be a vessel unto honor. In Romans chapter 9, verse 21, it talks about the potter and how we ought to be the clay on the wheel. And it says, Hath not the powder power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? And let God make us into and unto a vessel uh, unto His honor, unto His glory, unto the things that He would want to be uh, want us to do and want us to live for. Don't waste time. And I'm not disparaging you men back here that have lived a life that you would love to undo tonight. If you had time to testify to every child in this room today, you would testify the fact that don't go the path that I went. But you would love to have more days. You would love to have more hours. You would love to have more time. Those of us that have tried our best, and none of us are perfect, and none of us will stand before God and proud of all of our days, but we have tried our best to keep our season serving the Lord. But even us, we will be wishing we had more time. We will wish we had more time to serve God. Keep your time, keep your life holy. Give the best part of your life to God. Keep it holy. Number three, make ready a prepared sacrifice. Remember how pastor always talks about, you know, come to church with an offering in your pocket? Come to church with something to give the Lord. Every church service, we're going to have an offering. You can count on that. We're Baptist. Amen? There's always going to be a need. Come prepared for it. And I really believe that you and I, we ought to spend every day of our life preparing our life for God to put us in a game somewhere. Pastor gets on us all the time about carrying tracks. Oh, praise the Lord, I have one on me. Amen. Every time he preaches on it, I have just taken it out or didn't put one in, but I got one today. And uh, Mark Duff gave Brother, Brother Wilkerson a shirt one time for his birthday, and he didn't have a pocket on it. And uh, Brother Mark said, uh, I see him wearing that shirt at church. And I'd always walk up and say, hey, Pastor, you got a track on you I could borrow? And he'd go. And he'd not, he wouldn't have one. And uh, I think he gave it to him on purpose. But here we find that, that we ought to spend every day of our life trying to make our life more usable for God. The young people, I, I see our kids sometimes will sit down at a piano and start playing. And I'll walk up to them and I'll say, hey, you know, you're taking lessons? Oh, I used to. I said, you know, some church is going to need you one day as a piano player. You might want to continue those lessons. Why'd you quit? Well, I don't know. Hey, high school senior, you know what? Bible college isn't for the other guy. It might be for you. You say, well, I'm planning on going into a secular field. Yeah, but why don't you give that 13th year to the Lord there, as we call it, and let God have a shot away from your parents, away from your Christian school, away from everything else, to where it's just a year, just you and God, sorting out the next 50 years of your life. 
Take those abilities and those talents that you have and hone them down and figure out and ask God every day, where can I use this violin? Where can I use this cello? Where can I use this trumpet? Where can I use this uh, leadership ability I have? God has gifted me with opportunities to make money and I have a gift in business. Where can God use that? How can God use that? Study. Have a purity of life. Get a knowledge of God. Study the Word of God. Become a Sunday school teacher and give that knowledge to the Lord. We can't predict where God's going to put us in life and we can't predict exactly what He's going to do or how He's going to use us. But we can plan for an offering. We can plan for God to use us. We can plan to get in that game at that appointed time the coach wants us in when he feels it's right. Make ready a prepared sacrifice and last. Whatever God has given you, whatever talent, whatever ability, God gave it to you and he's not taking it back. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But God would expect you to give it to him on purpose. That would be a gift. God's not going to take those things from you because that would cause for a surrender. And God wants a sacrifice. I'm all for when a young man surrenders to, the pre surrenders to preach because we all have a will. And we all have that will that gets into us and, and, and tries to fight that which God wants. And there is a struggle there. And sometimes we will surrender our life, our will to the Lord and surrender to preach and surrender to full-time service. But I think it would be far better if we came to God and fell in love with God and said, God, can I give you my life? Can I just sacrifice it? The story, we go back to it here of Abraham and Isaac going up into this mountain. One of the most surreal stories in all the scripture. Because the Bible doesn't tell us all the conversation if there was any conversation. Abraham may have not have said another word to his son all the way on that three-day journey. And when his son said, Dad, you know, see the wood, see the fire, but where's, where's the sacrifice? Oh, son, God will provide himself a lamb. Oh, okay. And then when he begins to tie up his hands, the Bible doesn't say that Isaac fought. I don't know how old Abraham was at that time, but I guarantee you that boy could have outrun him. He could have said, you crazy fool, what are you doing? But he let his feet be bound, he let his hands be bound, and he let his father lay him on that altar. And as he laid there and closed his eyes and his father took the knife in his hand, he was, he was willing. There wasn't a surrender there. There wasn't a struggle by his dad or his son. And obviously we know that picture is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Jesus wasn't nailed to the cross. He allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. He wasn't taken by force. He was a sacrifice. He was a sacrifice. So God sometimes will give us things so we can have something to give back to him. Helping young people find their talents and those abilities and show them how they could use that for the Lord as a blessing to me. 
And when they get it, when it seeds in their head, and they think, wow, you know what? I can do that. I'd like to do that. You saw the young ladies here singing a few moments ago in the tour group, and they'll be on their uh, tours in just a few weeks. A couple of years ago, we took a, a, a group uh, out east, <clears throat> and Riley Smith was in the group, a very timid young lady. And uh, Brother Collins had even warned me, he says, you know what, you're going to have a hard time. She's one of the easiest girls to work with, but she's really shy. And uh, you're going to have to work at getting her out of her shell. And, and, uh, and uh, you know what, she sang the first couple nights and did a great job. And the third night, I said, uh, just before the service, I said, Riley, I want you to give your testimony. And she just kind of looked at me like a cow looking at a new gate, you know, and she said, yes, sir. And I didn't think any more of it. I sit on the front row next to my wife, and, and uh, she begins to give her testimony before one of the songs. And all of a sudden, her she's very pale anyhow, but she turned whiter than white. And I leaned over to my wife, and I says, I think she's going to faint. And all of a sudden, she, um, she got really discolored there and, and um, starry-eyed, and she finished, and she got into the song and, and uh, sang a solo in the first verse, and finished, and after the service, I said, Riley, I said, I thought, uh, I thought you were going to pass out there. She goes, oh, Brother Eddie, the room was spinning, and uh, it just it was spinning. I was just praying while I was talking, and the Lord wouldn't let me fall down. And, uh, but you know, that experience there, and then many times she got up, and she started meeting people, and she started greeting people, and getting applications from other students. And one night I was sitting over here and I saw her singing and helping the City Baptist Choir sing as she was now leading teenagers of her own. And as a youth director, it was a tremendous joy for me to see somebody take their talents and abilities and get over the fear of using them and be taught, being taught how to use them for God and then putting them in practice. Your life is the same as mine. We only get one. And how we live it is up to us. But we all have the same opportunity to give it to the Lord. To give it to God. What can you give? I don't know how much money you have. I don't know what your purpose in life. But I do want you to know that God has given you things to give back to Him. You know, I don't know what William Borden Life could have been like had he lived his three score and ten, but he didn't have that. He just had one month shy of his 25 years. I've seen several of our young people die in their teens. And I, I think of uh, Megan Dominguez and Amanda Vicneri, two beautiful young ladies at different times at the age of 16. One was a skiing accident, the other was a sickness that pricked her heart and took her, took her into eternity suddenly. Both of those girls were soul winners. Both of them loved the Lord and had a future to serve God. But God only gave them 16 years. But they had a life. They had a life. That life, God gave it to them they gave it back to God. And though it was short on this earth, you don't know how long you and I have. And as we sit there and we 
At First Baptist, we get taught for the next few weeks about investing our life in eternity. Investing in eternity. Immediately our mind goes to things. It goes to time. It goes to bus route. It goes to Sunday school classes. It goes to offerings. Faith promise. But we can make it simple if we just give God our life. Just give him your life. Saying, God, everything that I have, my family's yours. I'll rear them. I'll go to work. I'll, I'll feed them. I'll put them through school. I'll clothe them. But they're yours. God, my house is yours. God, my car is yours. My money is yours. Everything that I have is yours. Make a, it'll make life a lot simpler on you. Because God will show you then how best it can be used for him. And you'll be blessed immeasurably. Let's pray.